Hello and welcome to the Tire Recycling Podcast, the leading video series for the tire recycling sector. If you don't know me, I'm Richard Wilson and I'm a contributor to Time Rubber Recycling. And as usual in our podcast, Ewan Scott, the magazine's editor, is on hand to guide us through the episode. Ewan, how are you doing? Just fine today. I've got peace and quiet. The, the, we've got builders around just now and they, unfortunately, or unfortunately as the case may be, they've taken the day off. So it's <laughs> quiet at the moment. So we're, we're good to go. Definitely. Well, that's always nice to hear you got some peace and quiet um, on a Friday. Um, but last time out on the podcast, we ventured north of the, of the border to, to Scotland as you interviewed in UK Rubber. What have you got planned for, for viewers in today's instalment? Today we are speaking to Jens Elton Anderson uh, from Windspace in Denmark and uh, Alvaro, Alvaro Silva from Elysium Nordic, their pyrolysis project uh, based in Denmark. It's a, a new project and one that has received a fair bit of publicity recently. Absolutely. Windspace were, as you've rightly mentioned, they've been in the news quite a lot recently with, you know, with their, with their partnership agreement with the Canadian firm Environmental Waste International, um, as we reported in Time Rubber Recycling. Is that where your attention is going to be focused in this interview or are you looking to find out something more? We really want to just find out what they what they're doing. There's been some changes in the uh, dynamics at uh, Elysium Nordic. The Enviro uh, have pulled out of the, the project, and uh, I, I think uh, Jens uh, Elton Anderson wanted to explain a little bit more about what the project is and what they're doing. Um, so let's let's see where this takes us. Great. Well, this sounds like it's going to be a fascinating watch. Now it's time for the interview from Windspace. I'm Ewan Scott, editor of Tire and Rubber Recycling, and we're speaking with Alvaro Silva from Elysium Nordic and Jens Hilton Anderson from Windspace. And so we, we're going to learn a bit about Windspace and and, and what you're doing. So over to you, Jens. Yeah. So what can you tell us about, uh, initially, tell us a little bit about Windspace and, and uh, what your aims are? That's a good question. Um, so in Windspace, we're very concerned about global warming. Uh, what we've done for 14 years is to develop and enable uh, building of plants that can somehow contribute to reducing carbon emissions. So that's the overarching goal. That's what we do. Uh, what we have done is um, build more than 200 megawatts uh, of turbines, wind turbines in Europe, and are still developing uh, new projects. We've developed almost 500 megawatts in total, and expect to build more wind parks in the future. Um, and then three years ago, we also developed a few PV plants, but we thought, well, wind energy and PV plants, that's a very good idea to help reducing carbon emissions. Uh, but there must be other new technologies that can do even more, where we can contribute more with our knowledge and skill in product development, designing, financing, everything. Um, so we started looking for new technologies. And after a, a lot of searching, we have uh, settled for now at least on this technology 
whereby we can treat end-of-life tires handling the, the end-of-life tire pollution um, problem. At the same time, we are producing these recovered products that are highly valuable and um, they are a lot of uh, demand for those in the rubber industry, plastic industry and so forth and, and transport industry as well. So we're really keen to, to get this, this market rolling also. So it is, we're using all the technology skill and, and all the other skills we have from our uh, many uh, years of experience of wind park development and then putting that to use, using a lot of, obviously a lot of external consultants to help us understand this market of the tire recycling in order to, to maximize the um, environmental uh, profit, you could say, that we can have from, from uh, recycling them in a better way than we do now. Okay, so this is how you've come about with the Elysium Nordic, this, this project for the pyrolysis. And uh, we, we've seen notices, obviously, uh, about joint ventures with EWI and uh, formerly with uh, Enviro. With Michelin becoming involved with Enviro, they've had to pull out. Um, where does this leave you? I'd rather say that actually we, uh, as we do not invent turbines, wind turbines, we do not invent these uh, technology systems either. Both Enviro and also uh, EWI have spent a lot of time and years and, and energy in refining their technologies. They're both good, they're just different. Uh, and I won't say that Michelin came out, we uh, came into uh, Enviro, we came out. It was more a process where we, we uh, ended up, I would say with EWI, for us being a preferable supplier because it's just, it just worked brilliantly with their technology and way of operating with what we intend to do in Europe. Okay. So whereabouts are you in the process of uh, developing the plant? We are actually quite far. Uh, it is when you're developing uh, plants like this, you can't really see how far you're going, but we actually have a building permit. We have an environmental permit to operate. Uh, we have a basic design that is almost good to go. We obviously need a little bit of, of detailed uh, designing, but but you could say within a few months, we could actually be able to, to start the, the construction of the, uh, the buildings to put in the plant. Okay, so you, you'd be looking at production sometime next year? We would be looking at construction sometime next year. Construction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So construction next year and then production hopefully the following year. Yeah, and then we, we would, I would say, as this is um, it's proven technology uh, in EWI, but we are still we are still it's new to us, and we need to have it operating uh, with a lot of uh, it's scaled up a little bit, and we need to have all the auxiliary systems working properly and everyone trained. So we have uh, allowed ourselves a few months to ramp up the uh, the testing, commissioning, and production. If if I can add something, it's that um. We are starting from from a greenfield, you know. There's there's no building yet, so we're we're designing everything specifically for the plan that we're designing. 
Um, so we just have like an empty field. We're gonna construct, uh, make a building, and then we're going to install all of the equipment. And the building itself takes, uh, yeah, many months already. So it's, uh, I mean, so for the whole process from beginning of, of construction until we're operating, we think it could take us about two years. I mean, uh, and, and I think like we're, we're aiming to go for like a proper size of a commercial plant. Um, we, we feel like there's no reason to, to just go to it, like to do like a small plant or a medium. There's already experience with that and what the market needs is capacity. Um, and that's what we want to co contribute with. And, and that just takes a little bit more of time. Of course. Now, I've heard, uh, I've heard uh, stories in the past of uh, oil companies looking at pyrolysis and saying that uh, if they were going to become involved in, in pyrolysis, they'd be looking at a plant that would be upwards of 50,000 tonnes a year. Um, is, is that the sort of scale capacity that you're looking at? Uh, we're designing for capacity in in any case you would say uh, in a vicinity of uh, 30,000 tons at least a year to be able to get just a minimum amount we'll still only get uh, 15,000 ton approximately of oil and in a refinery that's next to nothing uh, but it as big as we can uh, build our first plant and still uh, have it uh, finalized and everything and still it is enough for the uh, for the um, oil companies and refineries to take it into account to, to try to utilize this product and maybe initially blend it into their other products hopefully or obviously we want to build a few more plants and then the amounts will be attractive to the oil companies Okay, so the the feedstock for these plants, uh, particularly this one in in Denmark, where where is the feedstock coming from? I say we start with uh, feed, feedstock uh, from Scandinavia. I would say that's that's the general idea. We we don't want to transport tires too far. It's it's not worth enough, and it's uh, it it will leave too much emissions transporting. Uh, tires, so we want to have them uh, from close by in Scandinavia, I would say initially. But we are situating the plant in Nuvor at the harbor, so it can be sailed in. So even if we at some point in time need to transport uh, tires from, from farther away, it will be relatively efficient if they are just chipped off uh, into smaller pieces before they're shipped on uh, out to, uh, to Nuvor. Of course, the, the, the Scandinavian market gives you a, a bit of an open goal because Norway and, and Sweden have virtually no tyre recycling capacity at all just now. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting scenario that's developed there. And, and the feedstock that you would take, are you looking at whole tyres or a tyre chip? We're looking at tyre chips. Tyre chips. Because... They're, they're just much easier to transport. And, uh, and we don't want the hassle of, uh, of them um, shipping them ourselves if we can avoid it. 
for now we're building the first plant. So we, every complication that we can avoid, we will want to do that. So yeah. that is also um, uh, the first chipping of the, the tires. We would prefer not to do the, those initially. Down the road, maybe we would, but initially we don't. Okay. So another thing is that with, with, the, with the tire feedstock, something that we are aiming at, it's, it's to be able to receive different kinds of tires, like personal car tires, or like to put them on one side and then uh, more like in, what is it, track or like more industrial tires to put them in some other side. And one of the things that we want to do is to process them individually and then be able to mix different kinds of carbon black obtained from the different feedstocks so we could have different products. Like somebody may want carbon black that comes from tires, does have, those have like specific parameters and characteristics. So we will be able to provide that. Maybe we can find an application with a certain mix, you know? So that's, a, that, that's one, of the, one of the things that we've been, uh, that we're going to have in our plant, you know, the capacity to treat specific feedstocks and then to mix them if necessary. That, that is good because I was going to ask, you preempted my question. I was going to ask if you were going to uh, go for a, just any old tires or if you were going to be selective because it, it's a bit of a key question. Uh, and the fact that you've already <coughs> thought of that, uh, you know, that suggests you've gone further than a lot of people that have gone into pyrolysis. Um, you, you know, like one of the things that we've been uh, in, for, for, I mean, one of the things that are new in this market and that are not only new for us, but mostly like for everybody is that, or for most of the companies like us, is that um, we need to find the applications for the carbon blacks. We need to, there's a market, we know there's a market out there, but we still need to, need to find the products, need to find the needs, and, uh, and we're trying to come here with capacity so we can offer that, so we can offer these products. And we're trying to think, how can we make this plant as flexible as possible so we can react to the, to the market's demand, you know? Uh, and, and we're trying to, we, we could go through like our, our plans, and, but it, it's just like, we're trying to put as much flexibility as possible storage capacity, we, we, we're going to be able to deliver by truck, big bags, uh, when I say trucks, I mean bulk. Um, we're putting, we have something that we call our main process that is where the microwaves, microwaves do the magic, you know, separate the, the, the rubber into the different products. Then we have something that we call the after process that is basically recover carbon black refining. And we're putting a lot of thought of how do we make this as flexible as possible? How can we, we're going to have a jet mill, for example, that will allow us to go, to have flexibility in, in the particle size, you know? So if some, if a client says, you know, I, I need a better surface area, you know, we can do that, you know? I need a different me me means of transportation. Like we want to say, we can do that. Um, so that is something that we, and that's also why we, we we're going to do that with the feedstock because we want to be able to 
have flexibility. That's like the key word for us in, in the design of the plant. Right, so the, the selective processing gives you um, an advantage. And if you've got volume, which you, you, you're talking about, that changes the, the way the market can deal with you. Uh, there, there are a lot of pyrolysis plants around operating smaller volumes. Uh, and one of the biggest problems that they have is when a tire company, for example, comes along and says, can you supply us with N330, um, carbon, recovered carbon black, they can't. They they can, but they can't supply the the fifty, sixty thousand tons that they need. Um, so so capacity is a big thing. Um, pyrolysis of whatever kind, I think, has has moved past the research and development stage, uh, and the companies that are coming into the market still doing R and D um, are going to get left behind. Because you, you, you cannot, if the market's taken up with companies producing 50,000, or processing 50,000 tonnes a year, uh, if you come along and you're only doing 3,000 tonnes, you're not going to get anywhere. We look at it as, as the uh, wind turbine market in 1980, where there are a lot of technologies, they are very diverse. Uh, and uh, we haven't really found out how to do it, and, and the off-takers of the power are not so um, used to taking out this strange power from a wind turbine that is volatile. It's the same with the, uh, the tire uh, treatment that we're doing and, and the recovered products that we've come out with. We need to eventually, five years down the road, we'll have quite a few plants that are relatively large. They can make a uniform product, it, it might not be top of the line, the finest uh, carbon black in the world. It just needs to be the same. And it needs to be able to produce it and provide it in bulk. That's the main uh, quality that we are going for, is to make the product uniform and in bulk. That's why we are, we are developing the first plant in Newborn. That's, that's certainly not the last plant we, in, in, we invent to build and operate. In the, in, the same, in the same site that we have, uh, we also have like a, we have an option to rent the, the site that is beside, that is our neighbor site. So if necessary, we are going to have the possibility to, to expand the plant. You know, if we are required to provide more, uh, more uh, yeah, larger capacity. So that, that's also like another part of this flexibility that we will eventually be able to, to deliver. We really, we really see the, the industry moving forward and we are really happy that others are moving forward as well because we really need uh, proven technology and to prove that there is a market for these recovered products and that means that, that the off-takers need to they need to take in this product and then find out how to blend it into their original products instead of the virgin materials that they're using right now. So we are very happy to be part of a, a, an industry in this uh, tire processing that is moving forward very rapidly at the moment. It, it is, it is. I, I've watched for the past 20 years and uh, for, the, for the last 20 years, people have 
gone to conferences and they've talked about pyrolysis and what they were going to do and how it was going to work. And there's been some wonderful ideas, um, but very few of them have come to fruition. But in the last 18 months, the industry seems to have taken off and uh, there's a lot of interest now in pyrolysis. Unfortunately, there still seems to be a lot of misunderstanding about what can be done with this and what the outputs are and where the markets are. These are the big issues. There's been quite a few mishaps in the past. I think that many many are learning from that and, and that's why we are moving forward because you're learning from the past. But also I'll say the... the the biggest push forward comes from the fact that the industry, the rubber industry, the plastic industry, the coloring industry, the oil industry, they all require to have uh, more recovered materials in their materials, which they hadn't just two years ago. It has shifted immensely within the last two years. And that's just brilliant. And that's it's the only way to go if we want to remo- reduce the carbon emissions. We need to to exchange um, or get more uh, value out of the end-of-life products in order to reuse them into new products. And we're back. That was an enlightening discussion, Ewan. What did you make of it? Interesting to, to see the investment in new technology the microwave technology on a large scale is uh, something that we're starting to see developing. We, we spoke to Bryce Powell recently, and he's looking at uh, microwave technology. But this in Europe is a large scale operation using a, a, a technology that has not generally been used on a, on a large scale now. So it would be interesting to see how this develops and, and just quite what sort of impact it has on the pyrolysis sector in Europe, competing against the conventional uh, oven-based pyrolysis projects, whether they're continuous or batch process. Mm, absolutely. Um, but leaving today's podcast behind for a moment, um, could you give our viewers a little insight into what they can expect in episode 11? Uh, episode 11, uh, we, we go to the Lebanon. We're getting around nowadays. Um, we're talking to a long-established company, Modern Advanced Polymers. We'll be speaking to the managing director, George Kassar. Awesome. It's um, great to, to speak to people from around the world, not just to show the global nature of our magazine, but to show, obviously, what happens in smaller markets because you know, the, you know, tire recycling doesn't just happen in, you know, your, your major Western and European markets. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but thanks for that, Ewan. We'll be back very shortly with the latest issue of the Tire Recycling Podcast. Thank you for watching.